Welcome to Jury Duty. I'm your host, Chris Terracone. This season of Jury Duty explores the trial of Michael Barrison, who is charged with the attempted murders of Lauren Kanarek and Robert Goodwin in Long Valley, New Jersey. Kanarek was struck in the chest by two bullets from Barrison's weapon, and as it was undisputed that Barrison fired those shots, his legal team argued that he was not guilty because he was legally insane at the time of the shooting. In our last episode, we began our look at the instructions offered to the Barrison trial jury by Judge Stephen Taylor regarding the evidence that the jury may consider in judging the facts of the case. On today's installment, we continue that examination beginning with Judge Taylor's instructions regarding how to apply the law to their determination of the facts to decide whether Michael Barrison is guilty of the charges beyond a reasonable doubt. That's all coming up right after the break. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. We concluded our last episode with a look at Judge Stephen Taylor's review of how the jury should regard expert witness testimony in their deliberations. We begin today with a review of Judge Taylor's instructions on how the jury should apply the laws to the facts in the case as they consider each of the charges against the defendant. Now I will instruct you on the third part of the instructions, on the portions of the criminal code that you must apply to the facts you find to determine whether the state has proven beyond a reasonable doubt that the defendant violated a specific criminal statute. The statute read together with the indictment identifies the elements which the state must prove beyond a reasonable doubt to establish the guilt of the defendant on each of the counts in the indictment. In addition, you will have the opportunity to consider an offense beside those charged in the, uh, specifically in the indictment. This is what we call a lesser included offense, crime or offense of a lesser degree that are considered to be included within the charges brought in the indictment. I will give you instructions about how to consider the lesser included offense later in my charge. There are, as you know, four offenses charged in the indictment. They are separate offenses by separate counts in the indictment. In your determination of whether the state has proven the defendant guilty of the crimes charged in the indictment beyond a reasonable doubt, the defendant is entitled to have each count considered separately by the evidence, which is relevant and material to that particular charge, based on the law as I give it to you. By turning first to attempted murder, as charged in counts one and two of the indictment. The indictment charges the defendant with the crime of attempted murder in counts one and two. Count one of the indictment reads in relevant part as follows. The grand jurors of the state of New Jersey for the county of Morris upon their oaths present that Michael Barrison on or about August 7, 2019 in the township of Washington in the county of Morris purposely did anything which under the circumstances as a reasonable person would believe them to be 
is an act constituting a substantial step in a course of conduct planned to culminate in his commission of the crime of murder, specifically by attempting to cause the death of Lauren Canarac, contrary to the provisions of New Jersey Statute 2C, colon 5-183, and New Jersey Statute 2C11-3A1, and against the peace of this state, the government, and dignity of the same. Count two of the indictment reads in pertinent part as follows. Grand jurors of the state of New Jersey for the county of Morris upon their oaths present that Michael Barrison, on or about August 7, 2019, in the township of Washington in the county of Morris, purposely did anything which under the circumstances as a reasonable person would believe them to be is an act constituting a substantial step in a course of conduct planned to culminate in his commission of the crime of murder, specifically by attempting to cause the death of Robert Goodwin, contrary to the provisions of NJS 2C 5-1A3, NJS 2C colon 11-3A1, and against the peace of this state and government and dignity of the same. In order for you to find a defendant guilty of an attempted murder, the state must prove beyond a reasonable doubt that it was the defendant's purpose to cause the death of the victims. More specifically, the law provides that a person is guilty of an attempt to commit the crime of murder if this person purposely did anything which under the circumstances as a reasonable person would believe them to be as an act constituting a substantial step in a course of conduct planned to culminate in his causing the death of the victims. Thus, in order to find a defendant guilty of the crime of attempted murder, the state must prove the following elements beyond a reasonable doubt. First, as to count one, it was the defendant's purpose to cause the death of Lauren Canarac. And as to count two, it was the defendant's purpose to cause the death of Robert Goodwin. Second, the defendant purposely did anything which under the circumstances as a reasonable person would believe them to be is an act constituting a substantial step in a course of conduct planned to culminate in his causing the death of the victim. First, the state must prove that the defendant acted purposely. Purposely means it was the person's conscious object to cause the death of the victim. Whether the defendant's purpose was to cause the death of the victim is a question of fact for you to decide. Purpose is a condition of the mind which cannot be seen and can only be determined by inference from conduct, words, or acts. It is not necessary for the state to produce a witness or witnesses who can testify that the defendant stated, for example, that his purpose was to cause the death of the victim. It is within your power to find that proof of purpose has been furnished beyond a reasonable doubt by inference, which may arise from the nature of the acts and the surrounding circumstances. Such things as the place where the acts occurred, the weapon used, the location, number, and nature of the wounds inflicted, and all that was done or said by the defendant preceding, connected with, and immediately succeeding the events are among the circumstances to be considered. Causing the death of the victim must be within the design or contemplation of the defendant. The use of a deadly weapon, such as a firearm, in itself may permit you to draw an inference that the defendant's purpose was to take a life. A deadly weapon is any firearm or other weapon, device, instrument, material, or substance 
which in the manner it is used or is intended to be used is known to be capable of producing death. In your deliberations, you may consider the weapon used and the manner and circumstances of the attack. And if you are satisfied beyond a reasonable doubt that the defendant shot Lauren Canterac with a firearm and shot at Robert Goodwin with a firearm, you may draw an inference from the weapon used, that is the firearm, and from the manner and circumstances of the attack as to the defendant's purpose. Second, the state must also prove beyond a reasonable doubt that the defendant purposely did anything which under the circumstances as a reasonable person would believe them to be is an act constituting a substantial step in the course of conduct plan to culminate in his causing the death of the victim. However, the step taken must be one which is strongly corroborative of the defendant's criminal purpose. The defendant must be shown to have had a firmness of criminal purpose to cause the death of the victims. Preparatory steps, if any, must be substantial and not just very remote preparatory acts. In, or, in order for you to find a defendant guilty of an attempted murder, the state must prove beyond a reasonable doubt that it was the defendant's purpose to cause the death of the victims. The state, however, is not required to prove a motive. If the state has proven the essential elements of the offense beyond a reasonable doubt, the defendant must be found guilty of the offense regardless of the defendant's motive or lack of motive. If the state, however, has provided a motive, you may consider that insofar as it gives you meaning to other circumstances. On the other hand, you may consider the absence of motive in weighing whether or not the defendant is guilty of attempted murder. If, after consideration of all the evidence, you are convinced beyond a reasonable doubt that the state has proved all the elements of the crime of attempted murder, then your verdict must be guilty. If, however, after a consideration of all the evidence, you find the state has failed to prove each and every element of the crime attempt of attempted murder beyond a reasonable doubt, your verdict must be not guilty. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. In the next part of his instructions, Judge Stephen Taylor reviewed with the jury the possibility that in the event that they do not find Michael Barrison guilty of attempted murder, they should deliberate on the lesser offense of aggravated assault. I'm going to now address, ladies and gentlemen, the lesser included offense to attempted murder, which is aggravated assault. The law requires that the court instruct the jury with respect to a possible lesser included offense, even the offense is not even though the offense is not contained in the indictment. Just because the court is instructing you concerning a lesser included offense does not mean that the court has any opinion, one way or the other, about whether the defendant committed this or any offense. You should consider this offense along with those for which the defendant is indicted. However, you are not to render a verdict on the lesser included offense or answer the questions on the verdict sheet 
regarding the lesser included offense, unless you find the state has failed to meet its burden with regard to the offenses listed in the indictment, namely attempted murder. Regarding counts one and two of the indictment, you may consider as a lesser included offense the offense of aggravated assault. As I said, however, do not render a verdict on these offenses or answer the questions on the verdict sheet unless you find the state has failed to meet its burden with regard to the offenses in counts one and two, namely attempted murder. The relevant section of our statute dealing with aggravated assault reads as follows. A person is guilty of aggravated assault if he attempts to cause serious bodily injury to another or causes such injury purposely or knowingly under circumstances manifesting extreme indifference to the value of human life recklessly causes such injury. Under this statute, the defendant can be found guilty if he either caused serious bodily injury to another or attempted to cause serious bodily injury to another. To find a defendant guilty of aggravated assault for causing serious bodily injury to another, the state must prove beyond a reasonable doubt each of the following elements. Number one, that the defendant caused serious bodily injury to another. And number two, that the defendant acted purposely or knowingly or acted recklessly under circumstances manifesting extreme indifference to the value of human life. The first element that the state must prove beyond a reasonable doubt is that the defendant caused serious bodily injury to another. Serious bodily injury means bodily injury which creates a substantial risk of death or which causes serious permanent disfigurement or protracted loss or impairment of the function of any bodily member or organ. The second element that the state must prove beyond a reasonable doubt is that the defendant acted purposely or knowingly or acted recklessly under circumstances manifesting extreme indifference to the value of human life. A person acts purposely with respect to the result of his conduct if it is his conscious object to cause such a result. A person acts purposely if he acts with design, with a specific intent, with a particular object or purpose, or if he means to do what he does, e.g., I did it on purpose. A person acts knowingly with respect to the result of his conduct if he is aware that it is practically certain that his conduct will cause such a result. A person acts recklessly with respect to the result of his conduct if he consciously disregards a substantial and unjustifiable risk that the result will occur from his conduct. The risk must be of such a nature and degree that, considering the nature and purpose of the actor's conduct and the circumstances known to the actor, its disregard involves a gross deviation from the standard of conduct that a reasonable person would observe in the actor's situation. One is said to act recklessly if one acts with recklessness, with scorn for the consequences, heedlessly, foolhardily. The phrase, under circumstances manifesting extreme indifference to the value of human life, does not focus on the state of mind of the actor, but rather on the circumstances under which you find that he acted. If, in light of all the evidence, you find that the conduct of the defendant resulted in a probability as opposed to a mere possibility of serious bodily injury, 
and you may find that he ha acted under circumstances manifesting extreme indifference to the value of human life. In determining whether the defendant acted purposely or knowingly, or acted recklessly under circumstances manifesting extreme indifference to the value of human life, you may consider the nature of the acts themselves and the severity of the resulting injuries. If you find that the state has proved each element beyond a reasonable doubt, then you must find the defendant guilty. All jurors do not have to agree unanimously concerning which form of serious bodily injury aggravated assault is present, so long as all believe that it was one form of serious bodily injury or the other. However, for a defendant to be guilty of serious bodily injury aggravated assault, all jurors must agree that the defendant either knowingly or purposely or recklessly under circumstances manifesting extreme indifference to the value of human life caused serious bodily injury to Lauren Counteract as to count one and Robert Goodwin as to count two. If you find that the state has failed to prove any element beyond a reasonable doubt, then you must find the defendant not guilty of the charge of aggravated assault and that he caused serious bodily injury to another. As I previously instructed you, the defendant can be found guilty if he either caused serious bodily injury to another or attempted to cause serious bodily injury to another. To find the defendant guilty of attempting to cause serious bodily injury to another, the state must prove beyond a reasonable doubt that the defendant purposely attempted to cause serious bodily injury to another. If you find beyond a reasonable doubt that the defendant attempted to cause serious bodily injury, it does not matter whether the injury actually resulted. The law provides that a person is guilty of attempt if acting purposely, he did anything that under the circumstances as a reasonable person would believe them to be, was an act constituting a substantial step in a course of conduct planned to culminate in his commission of the crime. The step taken must be one that is strongly corroborative of the defendant's criminal purpose. The accused must be shown to have a firmness of criminal purpose in light of the steps he had already taken. These preparatory steps must be substantial and not just very remote preparatory acts. Again, serious bodily injury means bodily injury which creates a substantial risk of death or which causes serious permanent disfigurement or protracted loss or impairment of the function of any bodily member or organ. And again, a, a person acts purposely with respect to the result of his conduct if it is his conscious object to cause such a result. A person acts purposely if he acts with design, with a specific intent, with a particular object or purpose, or if he means to do what he does, e.g., I did it on purpose. If you find that the state has proved beyond a reasonable doubt that the defendant attempted to cause serious bodily injury to another, then you must find the defendant guilty. If you find that the state has failed to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that the defendant attempted to cause serious bodily injury to another, then you must find the defendant not guilty. During the charging conference, Judge Taylor posed the possibility that he could allow the jury to consider whether Michael Barrison was operating under a diminished capacity at the time of the shootings. Prosecutor Christopher Shellhorn responded that the testimony by both of the defense experts was clear. 
Both doctors Hassan and Simring shared the opinion that Michael Barrison's actions at the farmhouse were willful, albeit under the delusion that Lauren Kanarek and Robert Goodwin were an imminent threat to his life. Shellhorn further asserted that because their testimony conceded that the defendant's actions were willful, there was no evidentiary basis for the jury to consider that he was operating under a diminished capacity. The defense, including the defendant himself, stipulated to this interpretation of the testimony of their experts. In other words, Michael Barrison's team conceded that they were fully committed to their argument that he was delusional and legally insane at the time of the shooting and that there was no impairment to his cognition. Consequently, Judge Taylor's instructions to the jury regarding aggravated assault included nothing about the consideration that Barrison was operating under a diminished capacity. And with that, we bring to a close this episode of Jury Duty, the trial of Michael Barrison. Join us on our next installment as we move on to look at Judge Taylor's instructions regarding the firearm charges against the defendant as well as his guidance with respect to the defendant's plea of insanity. If you would like to listen to these episodes early and ad-free, head over to our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page. You can find more information about this trial on our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page or at crimestory.com. Jury Duty is created and produced by Carrie Antholis. It was co-produced and edited by yours truly, Chris Terracon. Music for this episode was provided by Strike Audio, and the trial audio is courtesy of Law & Crime Networks. Thank you for joining us. We hope you'll come back for the next episode of Jury Duty, The Trial of Michael Barrison.